us to Acts chapter 16. I'm worn out from all of you. You guys were singing good tonight. And good singing is contagious. I always say, give God the very best when you sing to Him. I know some of you sit in your car and you play your country music or you play your other music and you're singing as loud as you can in the car. You're singing about something that actually has some real meaning in it. You know, you don't have to worry about, you're singing about getting your dog back and all your wife back and all that stuff with that country stuff. But you can sing, I know some of you, I can, I can just picture you in your car or you're like Bridget playing something like Bad to the Bone, right? Isn't that the song that she has on her, on her phone? That's her, that's her ringtone, Bad to the Bone. And the school kids know that about her. She is bad to the bone. And I just picture her singing that song. That just, and I don't even know the words to most of it. I just know bad to, that's all I know. And that's probably not good that I know that. It's just like, so as a kid growing up, all I was ever around was Christian music. That's all my parents, that's all we listened to. And I think, and this is, I think good Christian music is a good thing. It helps. Music is important. Music does a lot in our lives. And I am not, and you say, well, can you listen to anything but Christian music? I believe there's other music you can listen to, but be careful what it's all about and guard yourself. You know, there's a lot of bad in music today. And then there's also some that's okay, and you find a balance somewhere. If you want my personal opinion and what I do in my own life, you can come see me in my office, and I'll tell you my personal opinion on that one. I'm for good Christian music, but growing up, my oldest brother was the one that wasn't in church. And so when I would hang out with him, there's only, so literally there's only one song I even know a few words to. That's like a, but looking back at it now, and I think about what those words were, I'm not going to tell you what they were, what the song was. But the song was, I'm, I don't even know why. It was just the, the title, Bad Medicine. Yeah, some of you are like, I know that song. Yeah, I'm not going to brag about that. But that was literally, I know I can tell you no other song anywhere, except I know the chorus to that song, and I heard it the other day somewhere, and I'm like, my older brother, he 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 corrupted me, he helped me get my sports liking and things like that, but he also taught me that too, so but anyways, I don't know where all that came from. Good music's a good thing, especially in our lives, and I just encourage you, when you sing to God, sing out, give Him your very best. He deserves it. And we're going to be looking at some of my favorite passages that we're looking at in the book of Revelation. I know some people really love looking at all of the tribulation stuff and all of that stuff there. I love chapter 4 and 5. I love being up in the throne room of heaven and everyone worshiping God. And I love chapter 21 and 22. Those are my favorites. Now, yes, there is a lot of interesting stuff between 6 and 19, but that doesn't really thrill my soul the way it does. I can't wait to look at no one being worthy to hold the deed of the earth, and the one that is worthy is there. I'm, I'm already excited for Wednesday night, and i got to preach in Acts tonight, not in Revelation. But I love thinking about the fact that we're all going to be in heaven praising him and worshiping him forever and ever, and does us good to sing out to him and to sing songs to him and to worship him. And it's a good thing. And I would encourage you, you know, I try to encourage everyone both ways. Um, some people sing out real good on the hymns, but they don't sing out real good on new songs. I get you got to learn them because that's tough for me. There are some songs I don't know. But then sometimes some of our newer folks don't like singing the hymns out loud, but they like singing the new stuff. If it's a song that brings honor, sing it as good as you can. Give God your very best. And if your best is not very loud, and some of us in this room, you shouldn't be very loud, and that's okay. You should have heard. If you, the rescue mission guy, he puts videos up of what happens there. I don't know if any of you have, had, have you listened to any of those, Nick? I wouldn't be doing that if I were you. I'd just skip that. The singing's on there. But a couple weeks ago, it was just Juan and I, 
and man, no piano, no nothing, and I started out flat, and then Juan, like, took my flat tire that was starting to go flat, and he, like, stabbed it, and we both were flatter than flat, and everyone there fit in even better. It was a, it wasn't even, it was a noise. I hope it was a joyful noise. He was probably laughing. I'm sure he was, and so it was quite the thing, but it's fun. It's fun. Acts chapter 16, and it's good to be in God's word, and, um, Next Sunday night, I was supposed to be in Mexico preaching. But with my family stuff, I'm probably not going. And I know sometimes we look, how do you balance church and ministry and family and things? And sometimes you just got to do what you got to do and for family. And so I'm going to make it up and go down there at another time to Mexico. But um, next week, the guy from the rescue mission is supposed to be with us and give his testimony. I think I'm still going to do that and have him come. Or we might move that out a little bit, too. We'll see what happens as I talk to him this week. And so um, we look at Acts chapter 16, and we see the importance of teamwork in this passage. We just saw last week how literally the two greatest missionaries in the entire world ended up splitting off from one another and going their separate ways. But the work of God continued. We look at chapter 16, we look at verse number 1. It says, Then came he to Derbe, and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish and believed, but his father was a Greek. And that's all it says about Timothy's dad, who was a Greek. That gives us the idea he was not a Christian, and we don't know how much he was a part of Timothy's life. We don't know that. It says in verse 2, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium, him would Paul have to go with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews that were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. Now, that's really interesting to me. Isn't that interesting? Haven't we just been studying how you didn't need to be circumcised? And then yet we see right here that Paul had him circumcised? You say, well, why? We'll talk about that in a few minutes. It says, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews that were in those quarters, for they knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders, which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Father, I pray you bless the next few minutes that we have this evening. And we thank you for this passage of Scripture. May we take it tonight. May we apply it to our lives and see what you've done and what you're doing in your church. And I believe just like in the book of Acts, we see you working in your church. I believe you're working in your church today, and you've got great things ahead today. And I know this world is a wicked place, and I know a lot of people could care less about your church, but it keeps marching on because you're the leader and the founder of it, and it's established on you and your truth. Bless the next few minutes that we have. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's interesting to me that as we look right away, it says, Then came he to Derby and Lystra. Paul goes back to Lystra. You know, that would not be an easy decision to go back there. Literally, the Bible tells us in Acts 14, verse 19 and 20, it says, And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead, 
Howbeit as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. That was, that was the city they stoned him. He went back to Lystra. They thought he was dead. Could you imagine walking back into town? And I honestly don't see Paul as being one of these guys that waits till it's the middle of the night and he sneaks through the city. I picture it, and I could be completely wrong, but I think Paul is bold and he just walks into the city. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, you do bold things. Not stupid things, but bold things. And I don't think this was a stupid move. I think that there was, this was on purpose. And most of us, if we went to a city and they treated us like that, we would never want to ever go back to that city. And yet he goes back. That took some faith to be able to trust God to take care of him. It also showed love for these people here. Because in this city, there were people that had gotten saved, and he wanted to go back to help minister to them and to teach them the word of God. I think about, you think about what Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, than the man would lay down his life for his friends. And Paul was willing to go back to the city he just about died in because he loved those people. He loved the gospel and wanted to get them the gospel. So as we look here tonight and we see this here, we see first of all that as he gets to Lystra, there was a certain disciple there, a disciple, a follower of Jesus. His name is Timotheus. So number one in our outline tonight, we see Timothy's testimony. And we know later on that Paul pins first and second Timothy to Timothy that we're talking about right here, Timotheus. And as we look here, we learn a little bit about him, not too much, but just a little bit, and we see a little bit of his testimony here. And probably what people believe is that when Paul was here in Lystra the first time, that's when Timothy got saved. And, Timothy, and Paul played a role in Timothy's life. Timothy, we believe, became the pastor, one of the elders, the pastor in Ephesus. And he was put there to make sure the doctrine was correct, and God used Timothy. But when we think about this, we think about Timothy's testimony, we see, first of all, letter A, the fact that he comes from a divided family. That's why there are no excuses. Oh, well, I, this happened to me and this happened and all that. God can use anybody. Do you realize that tonight? There are no excuses. We like to make excuses. But with God, he can take what looks negative and what looks like a, something that could never turn out, and God can make something out of it. We look at there at verse number 1. It talks about him and says, The son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish, Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek. And when we look at this, do you realize tonight that almost 50% of families in America today are fatherless? We had that guy with the fatherless ministry here. I believe it's 48% of families. That's a crazy number to me. Do you realize that before the age of 18, more than half of the children born in America will not even spend a moment with their dad. That's a crazy thought, and an awful thought. It wasn't uncommon in those days. And it was rare for a Jew to marry a Gentile. And let me just add this in, and I'm not, you say, are you for different cultures marrying? I don't think that that, come on. There are those people out there that don't think different cultures should marry and different things like that. And there's racism in a lot of those different things. I'm not saying anything about that. 
But I do think it is very important that you do not be unequally yoked with who you're dating and end up marrying. I wish I could talk to a lot of our young people because I've said this to all of them until I'm blue in the face. I've been saying it for 13 years. It's the first day I had a teen group. Here, when you start dating somebody or you get interested in dating someone, the first thing you need to find out, are they a Christian? And not just leave it right there. Because a lot of people say, oh, I'm a Christian. Ask them when the last time they went to church. Ask them their salvation testimony. Yeah. Do you know what happens, though? And I wish our young people would pick up on this. I wish they're watching online and they're like, if you're, are you talking to me? Yeah. Just this last week again, I asked someone, if the person you're dating isn't a Christian. No. What are you doing? Oh, I've witnessed to that. That doesn't know. What are you doing? Don't be unequally. And the problem is, this is what happens. You think, well, it's early in dating and all of that. You got to be very careful because there comes a point where you date someone long enough, you end up giving that heart away. And when you give that heart away, and they're not going to, you end up making some dumb decisions in your life. And it's important that you marry a believer. And at that, I would not just marry some odd believer. I would ma- I, be careful what you do with it. I had someone the other day that I was talking to. And literally this person, they were, you know, they, they're both Baptists. They agree on 98% of things. But they decided not to date because that 2% could be the whole problem with everything. And that 2% to me wasn't going to matter at all. Now, you get a Baptist and you get a Catholic together. Let's just be honest for a minute. What do you do when your children are born? Do they go through catechism and get sprinkled? Depends on who's stronger on what they want out of the mom and dad, right? That's a tough thing to answer right there. If you go a lot of other roads, there's a lot of decisions that have to be made that you should not just be equally yoked. Do it God's way. God had a reason why he said that God is smart. Do you realize that tonight? He is very smart. And he knows best with everything. And yet, why is it we always, myself included, the kings in the Old Testament, Solomon, why is it that everyone thinks they're smarter than God? We are not. Just do things God's way. But we see that, and this is, this is the case here, I don't believe that God really would have wanted this done, but they did. But God can, I love how God can take messes and make them okay. I'm grateful for that. But don't get in the mess so God has to make it okay. Go forward to begin with. But we see this divided family here. And as we look here, not only was she a Jew and he's a Gentile, which think about in those days. That was bad. That was rough. But then she was a Jewish Christian and he's a Gentile. Even the Jewish Christians and and Christian Gentiles didn't get along great, did they? That's why Timothy got circumcised. Just for appearance. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But we see his divided family here. But what I want you to understand is, with all of this going on, and we see that his father's not even a Christian, it is proof that God can still take a child and make them godly when he has some godly influences in their life. 
You don't have to, should you have one man, one woman for life? Should that be the way it is? Yes, that's how God designed marriage to be. One man, one woman for life. That's God's intent. That's God's purpose. Does it always happen in this world today? It does not. Is it wrong? Yes, it's wrong. Yes, God forgives and he forgets our sin, right? And thank God for that. And God can heal things, make things better. But I want you to know tonight that maybe your home is not the traditional home. God can still use that home. And God did that in the life of Timothy here. Timothy's proof that even in a divided home, that you can still have children turn out for God. We see he's in a divided family, but in that letter B, we see he has a personal faith. I believe this is key. One of the reasons why I believe that Timothy turned out for the Lord was because of the genuineness of his grandma and his mom. I look, and I, I'm, not, I'm still young, I know. I'm 38. I've been around enough to see different things and be in churches and to see how things are done. I will tell you this. The kids that grow up and have a heart to do what God wants them to do, a lot of the times, and are those that have parents who walk and do what they say. Now you say, well, is that all it? No, 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 no. Every kid makes their own decisions when they grow up, right? You can only do so much. But the homes where the parents actually were not hypocritical with things, it helps big time. We see that Timothy had a personal faith. When we look at this and we think about this, think about what Paul said in 2 Timothy 1, verse number 3, I thank God whom I, and that's not the verse that I wanted to be there. It should be 1 Timothy, I believe. Let me turn there. If you want to turn there, you can turn there as well. It's 1 Timothy, not 2 Timothy. That's a good verse too, but that's not the one. Actually, it is 2 Timothy, but it's further down. Go back there. So 2 Timothy 1, and look at verse 5. It says, When I recall to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, the genuine faith that's in you. It says, When I call to remembrance that genuine faith that's in thee, which dwelt where first? In thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. We see the fact that not only did... Timothy's grandma have faith. Not only did Timothy's mom have faith, but we also see that Timothy himself had faith. And that's one of the things you got to remember too. It's a personal thing. You cannot have faith for your children. Do you realize that? It would be nice, wouldn't it? I look at some of you in the room and I know the struggles you have sometimes with some of your adult kids. It's like it would be nice to just that they would just follow your lead and have the faith you have. But they got to make the choice. It's a personal thing. And it was found in grandma, found in mom, but it was also found in Timothy. It's a personal choice. And we see as we look at Timothy's testimony here, we see, look at what it says about him here. It says in verse 2, which was well reported of by the brethren that were in Lystra and Iconium. And he had a good name in the church. Well, how's your name in the church? Do people, when they think of you, do they think of someone who's reliable and can help? Or do they think of that person as a liar? I can't do anything. I'm just, just throwing it out. You never know. How, how's your name in the church? How's it among others? Timothy, he was well reported of. 
Oh, he's faithful to his ministry. He's faithful to this. He does this, whatever the case may be. And so we see the fact that Timothy, he had a reputation. We see his testimony. Comes from a divided family, but he has a personal faith. What a blessing that is to see. We see number two tonight. Number two, we see that Paul recruits Timothy. Say, well, Paul just got Silas. Why does he need Timothy? The work of God always needs laborers. I think Jesus talked about that. The fields are white, ready to be harvested, but the laborers are few. I was teasing with someone today, and we're talking about something. They're like, we're 10% of the people of the church do 90% of the work, and then 90% of the people do 10% of the work. And in God's work, we need people to do God's work. And we see the fact that Paul, he selects Timothy and says there, him would Paul have to go forth with him. And took and circumcised. Now, as we look right there, I just want to pause for a minute. Say, why in the world would Paul have Timothy get circumcised before he went with him? It's a tough one for me to swallow completely because I feel like Paul kind of gave into some pressure from people there. What are they going to think? I don't see that the Holy Ghost told him to do this. I see it was, what are these other Jews going to think? But I'm not going to be hard on Paul right here because don't we all do that? You have no idea how many times as a pastor, before I preach something or before I do something, my thought is, what is so-and-so going to think? You say, it shouldn't matter what men think. It should not matter what men think. But we are all human in that. And there are times where it does in our minds, that's where it goes to. And I think Paul was thinking that if Timothy got circumcised, then it would show these Jews that Timothy really was saved coming from the split home he was from. And it might also have to do with, there's a later passage where Paul says, to be all things for all men. Maybe it had to do with that. That could be down that line. It's a tough thing to do to be all things for all men, but that's what took place here. And so I don't know exactly, but as we look and we see this, we see that Paul takes him and Paul trains him. And that is so important. A church is not, you think about this, a church must be training the young people for the work of God. That's part of what our Christian school is here for. Do you realize that? We have a Christian school. Our Christian school, the goal and desire of our Christian school is for young people to do whatever God has for them to do. But if there aren't young people that are being called to ministry and training for ministry, what are they going to do? What's this church going to do someday? And it's so interesting to me, and I I don't know, my brain has been going all over the place with certain things. But we send our kids to Bible colleges... And then our Bible colleges corrupt our kids with a bunch of garbage that I got to weed out of them after they come back. And it's like, why do we send a kid to a Bible college to help them when they come back with a bunch of garbage I got to get out of them again? And I don't mean to sound bad when I say that, but it's the truth. I don't, I don't know. And so in my mind, I'm debating on changing some things. And, you know, I think some of the best things, the best ministry training you can have is hang around a pastor and learn how to do the work. I think that's a great way to do it. It saves you a lot with that unaccredited Bible college degree anyways. But that's a whole other story and a whole other thought there. But it's just, 
We see it in what, I like this mentality that we see in the scriptures. I don't see Paul grab Timothy and say, all right, I'm going to throw you in a Bible college and let them train you and mess you up and then I'll pick you back up in a few years and move forward. No, Paul says, let's go do the work. And as we do the work, I'll teach you what you need and then I'm going to leave you to do the work. That's, I think, the way God designed it to be. And you say, Pastor, are you against? No, I'm not, I'm not. It just frustrates me that you try and help people become what God wants them to become, and then they have some professor that's a nut that changes everything on all that stuff. Anyways, that's just my personal thought. Say, what are you talking about? Don't worry about it. It's all good. It's all good. At the end of the day, though, we need to be training young men for God's work and young ladies. It's needed. And a lot of churches, it's, it's, it's starting to stop. Do you hear of many young people being called to ministry anymore? I don't hear a lot of it anymore. Used to be a lot more. And sometimes those means we're all hyped too. I get that. And I think, you know, like the night I was called to preach, man, that invitation went on forever. And there were a lot of kids that went forward that were called to preach that night. I didn't even go forward that night when I was called. And they kept that invitation. I know that. And sometimes you like the limelight and you like being up in front of everybody and all that good stuff. But I just see, and, this, and it's important as we look here, we see Timothy didn't submit a resume either. His life testimony was his resume. And, you know, we look at our church, just some thoughts. A church needs to be in leadership more than just having a pastor. It, a church must have a pastor. Must. Churches get in big trouble when they don't have a pastor. Uh, it's important. But there also needs to be good leadership around that pastor. And I've talked about in the past, there are some things that are coming up very, very soon to get more leadership in places. Why? It's better that way, and I believe the way God wants it to be done. And some people, no, pastor, you just like to be the, I don't like to be a lone ranger. I want to do God's work right. And we, and your testimony counts too. Say, so, well, I, I can do more. Then show up to church three times a week. Go witness. Be faithful in your offerings. That's the first place to start. And there are, and I know there's things that come up and things happen. And especially, you know, the older you get, you know, some of you in this room, you know, you're like, Pastor, are you talking to me? I know I'm at... Some of you, you get sick. I get that. Don't ever being sick and your body not functioning like it used to, just do the best you can. You know, like Russ calls me every once in a while. He missed the service. Oh, I feel so... T Russ, you barely walked in the last service. I, I think it's okay. Your heart's in the right place. And most of you older folks in the room your hearts are in the right place. And you wish you could do more than what you could do, but you do what you can, and that's what God wants from you. So don't always, don't get in your mind, well, pastor say it, I, a lot of you do more than I could ever imagine, and I appreciate that of you. But I also would love for more people to step up in areas. But we see, and that's, it's important. Paul, he recruits Timothy. And I love the fact that, like, now Johnny, he graduated college, he's here. And some of you are thinking, you were talking about, I'm not talking about Johnny, I'm talking about several, I'm talking about several young people all together with that whole thing. But yes, they, there are things they pick up on that I would love that they didn't pick up at Bible college. And that's okay. 
And so there's things that I've taught them I wish they would get rid of too. I get that. And so, but as we look at this, we see the fact that he recruits Timothy, and then Timothy does the work. But what we see happen, and this is what I want you to see, we see the fact in verse 4 that as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for the to keep, and they were ordained of the apostles and elders which are at Jerusalem, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. What did they do? You'll notice we see lastly tonight the fact that the ministry just continues. The ministry continues. Looks a little different now, though, doesn't it? There's no Barnabas next to Paul. In fact, there's a guy named Silas that we still don't know much about. And then there's a guy, Timothy, that just got circumcised so the Jews would take him as a, as a believer. And this is Paul's new team. But do you see even Paul's new team? What did they do? First of all, we look, it says, And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders, which at Jerusalem. We see the first thing that they did, letter A, is they edified the churches. And when it comes to the Lord's work, we need to be edifying and building up. Don't tear it down. You know, they could have went through and talked about, hey, do you know what just happened in Antioch? Do you know what we had to deal with and go to Jerusalem and talk to them about? Do you know what happened with all these things? No, they, ed- they tr- did their best to help edify the church. What is the pastor's job? What does he do in a church? And the Bible talks about in Ephesians 4.12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's what, that's what a pastor does. That's what his job is. And evangelists and those others that are listed there in Ephesians chapter number 4. And when we look at these things, we see they edified the church, but letter B, it also says they established the church. Now, this is not the word like establishing a new church, but it literally means they grounded these churches. What they ground them in, it says right there in our text, establish them in the faith. They helped disciple and ground these young believers in the things of God. They help these churches be established and help people get solid in their doctrine. That's important. Because young Christians have a tendency to go every which way, don't they? They hear all these things and they go, and in our day and age it's even worse with the internet and things today. You can hear someone that sounds so good. Remember a while back, I, you know, just for fun, TBN, I flipped it on. I had nothing else going on. I was just sitting around. This guy was preaching. He was yelling, hollering. He was going to town. It was a good message. And then right towards the end, he started uttering something. I didn't know what it was. And I thought, is, is that a le-? No, he was speaking in tongues. I'm like, wow, that message was good till that started happening. I think he even foamed at the mouth a little bit. I hope someone took him to the doctor and got him his rabies shot after that. But doctrine's important. They went around edifying, building up the church, establishing these churches, and then we see the fact, what else did they do? Let her see. They evangelized the cities. It says they're and established in the faith and increased in number daily. They increased in number daily. So how does a church increase in number daily? By the people of that church going out and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those that are outside these walls. That's how it happens. When's the last time, think about this and we're closing because I know it's 7.03. 
When is, all of you in your favorites tonight, so let's throw us over time tonight. When's the last time you evangelized the lost? When's the last time you gave a tract to somebody? Technically, it's not even biblical to give people tracts. I, I, it's a good way to do it. You're supposed to give people the gospel. Sometimes I hear people say, well, I'm inviting people to church. Technically, we're not called to invite people to church. We're called to give people the gospel. That's the technical term. But if the best you can do is hand somebody a track, I'm all for it. And you say, well, why, did, why isn't the word track found in the Bible? They didn't have quite the printing capabilities we have today. So tracks are okay. It's a good thing. And I use tracks. But when's the last time you told your neighbor? Oh, they didn't want to hear it five years ago. Well, maybe today they will. When's the last time you told, your, uh, told the person that helped you out at the grocery store? When's the last time you told that person? Today. So there's, uh, we send out those church messages, right? I send them out. Well, someone last week sent me, so Carol Wilkins that comes to our church, a couple weeks ago she gave me her phone number and said, add me to that. So I add her phone number. Well, I put one digit wrong. So the last two digits of hers is seven zero, and somehow I put seven one. So last week, and I forgot about it, so last week this person sends me a text back on that app, and I don't always, if you, if I send out a group text, text me personally, because I don't always see those group texts for a while. So I saw this person said, don't ever send me a message again in all caps. And I was going to take it off. I forgot. (laughs) Yesterday, I got another message. I am a devout atheist. And the last thing I want to see is something from a church. Say, what did you do? Are you ready? I said, I'm a devout Christian. And I think the best thing in the world for you would be to get to know Jesus. He loves you. And then, and then, I, and then I took and deleted it off of there. And then I took my personal cell phone and put that number in my cell phone, and I sent them a message. And I said, this is Pastor Brian from Victory Baptist. I said, I saw what happened. I changed it. The numbers were off a little bit. I'm very sorry that we offended you, and if our church could ever help you, we're here. No comment back. But I thought that was, you know, maybe I messed up on the number on, because the Lord wants this devout atheist to hear the gospel. You never know. When's the last time you told somebody? I would encourage you, when you leave tonight, take a gospel track and give one out this week. And you might be embarrassed to give it out. Stick it on the gas pump when you get gas. Everyone's frustrated. Gas prices have gone up again. Do you notice that? Everyone's frustrated. Maybe the good news of the gospel right there would be just what someone needs. Who knows? Just share it with somebody this week. It's an awesome thing. And we see the teamwork here. We see Timothy. We see all these things. And we're going to see how in the midst of God working and things happening, we'll see next week how there's prison time for Paul.